Welcome back to Stories Out of Time and Space. I'm your host, Scott Weatherly. As always, I'm joined by Julian Darius. Julian, how are you doing? You okay? Uh, I'm I'm fine right now, but my hands seem to be strapped into manacles in the chair, and I'm worried if this conversation goes poorly. Yes, well, we're we're all about democracy here, so this is going to go to a vote. Um, Yes, but ladies and gentlemen, we are back with our continuing our Doctor Who retrospective. We're going through, we are to, got to the uh, the sixth Doctor, Colin Baker. And we are going to be talking about, again, just one story from each of the Doctors that we have been told, or we found to be the nominated, the recognised story. And this time we're talking Vengeance on Varos. Um, a two-parter that seems to have moved its format mm. uh, by this point. Each episode's 45 minutes long, rather than the sort of half an hour formally. And I think most of the Colin Baker stuff seems to be two-parters. Uh, the story is that uh, the Doctor, newly sort of formed as, as um, or relatively newly sort of formed as, as the sixth Doctor, doesn't really seem to know how the TARDIS works. Uh, after a series of, uh, of issues, it is left uh, drifting powerless through space. However, they find they have some uh, emergency backups that can take take them to the planet Varos, where there is a rare uh, element ore that the TARDIS requires uh, to power up and to travel through time and space. Once one there, sorry, once they arrive there, they find that Varos is under a sort of typical fascist, fascistic regime that seems to actually, though, focus around voting and democracy, um, but also the manipulation of the price of the ore uh, and the people there. And of course, the Doctor and his uh, companion Perry uh, get involved and resolve the whole socio-political situation um, before sodding off again. So, Julian, what were your initial thoughts then of Vengeance on Varos? Um, well, I, first I want to say, I, this was the only season where Doctor Who had the hour-long format. Mm. Um, and it, it seems that the, the previous season was sort of in a, a bridge season, and so they sort of got a more full season, except it was shifted to this this alternate format um i i like this i mean i think it's very uneven vengeance Mm. on veros um but it certainly it strikes me as darker Mm. um i mean we've seen other sort of dystopian uh setups before but this is a darker presentation of it sort of more fitting for uh 1985 and, and thatcher's britain um and also this doctor seems to be still a little bit bumbling, but um, very much in the mold of a sort of Han Solo compared yes. to the sort of doctor. I mean, he's, he's killing people a couple of times. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's a few times where they try to sort of uh, the killing people and his handling and use of weapons mm. comes up. I mean, let's not be clear. At one point, he basically pushes 
accidentally one guy and then possibly purposefully a second person into a vat of acid. Yeah. <laughs> that is a so, famous scene from this. Uh, yeah. It's very controversial. Uh, yeah, I can see why. I watched it and I was, I was a bit like, oh, I'm not, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Well, and he also, early on, he turns that uh, the ray that is being used to torture the prisoner toward the guards, and yes. uh, a guard gets killed by it, and then he shoots a guy later. Yeah, yeah, yeah this is much more of the sort of, um, again, on the, on the adventuring side, but he is definitely a darker. And the only thing I really know of, of, the, of the Sixth Doctor, of this, this version, is um, he is known to be quick to temper, and... You know, he is one of the lesser uh, loved of the Doctors. However, I would say that I I, I kind of enjoyed this, him in this. Um, Yeah, I did too. If only because he's so different, right? I mean, he does seem sort of younger. He has that kind of like roguish Han Solo element, uh, which I can see would be appealing in 1985, not only post, you know, Han Solo and Star Wars, but also post sort of Dirty Harry and, mm-hmm. you know, all of this sort of darker stuff of the 80s. Yeah, it, fits, it seems to fit into that mold, isn't it? This is sort of like, you know, and not to say it's sort of like, you know, the, the Dark Doctor Returns or something. Like, this isn't like Frank Miller's Doctor, but like, um, it, it, it definitely edges towards that. I mean, and, and not just the Doctor in this, like the actual planet of Varos um, is very... Well, dark, you know, actually dark in one month, but mm. like they have really gone out of their way to um, present like a real sort of like problematic dystopian um, uh, planet. But I love its origins as well. Like, I love the fact that this isn't just a sort of some of the things we've had in the past, like, you know, going back to the, the um, uh, terror on. Was it the second Doctor um, story with the crabs? Mm-hmm. Um, where we're just like, it's a colony and we're mining for this and that. Like, one of the things that comes out, it's sort of, a, it's sort of like a dropped line, I think it's in the first episode, is that this was a former prison that was yeah. left to its devices and the guards became the, uh, like the ruling elite and the prisoners or the generations from the prisoners um, basically became the underclass, this mining class and stuff. And I love that. I love the fact that there's this like weird sort of caste system, this class system that's been put in place that actually stems back to the original purpose of this this site. Uh, it wasn't just a colony that was sort of like, oh, we're going to have a colony here. And, and sort of like, this was a prison planet that was used for mining and then through its purpose changed, but the people didn't leave. And so you have this. I thought that's a. I, thought, I loved that. I thought it was a fantastic. I mean, Alien Three sort of chose to do that later on in '93. Mm. So, you know, it's a. I think it's a great concept. I think that's a that's a very good point. Um, I, I hadn't thought about the Alien Three point, although the the sort of mining colony sort of has become a bit of a cliche. Um, and we and I think the comparison to the Macro Terror is really fascinating because um, both of those have. Like in Macroterra, you have to hypothesize more of that colony's evolution. Yeah. Um, and here, there's a little more concern for it. The depiction of a uh, totalitarian state is more brutal. Mm-hmm. It uh, does not pull its punches as much. 
Yeah, it's what well, it shows. We should highlight. So basically, sort of like what you get is um, the Doctor interacts with what I would consider to be um, the ruling elite. Let's just say the government, and that is often the case with these sort of like you know these situations. Lands on the planet, ends up involved with a sort of like you know take me to your leader kind of bullshit, and that's what happens. And one of the one of, one of the things that we have often said uh, whilst going whilst talking about these these stories is well, what happened to the the populace or what happened to those other people like we haven't had a fully representation and this story even addresses that like it's not a full view of the entire populace but you get this sort of i don't know let's call it a household you get this this uh, husband and wife mm-hmm. that the story sort of flashes back to are, um, are they husband and wife I, I don't know i assume so they may be brother and sister or they could be, they could just be um i think he refers to himself as a husband at one point uh i may be wrong but you have these sort of these people that are the populace and one of them is very the woman is very um she's you know she sort of supports the sort of the regime and she's always sort of voting in the way that she thinks the regime wants to go and um and the guy is obviously very much sort of like oh i'm bored this guy's useless and he's sort of like they're incompetent and da, 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 and often votes no but what, what i thought was more interesting Instead of it sort of like, you know, because they have the the rebels as well. Like Again, you know, they always have this, uh, the rebel force. <laughs> but one of the things I thought, and I want to talk about this couple. One of the things I thought was most interesting is they both sort of vote out of a, a position of almost stubbornness, mm-hmm. not objectivity. And you see that in some cases, like with the votes, like there's one about we'll get to the the the, the ore, the element that they're mining. Where the, the governor actually, this, so it's ruled by a governor who actually has a term or whatever, and this voting system. So they put, if, if there's, there's these certain decisions. Whenever they put certain decisions out, they get voted upon. Like everybody gets to vote, and you, by the sound of it, you don't get a choice. Like you have to vote, or you get punished. Um, and then if the vote, if the government doesn't win the vote, they get a, hit by this beam. But one of the things he actually says is, look, we need to hold out on these negotiations. And actually, if we were to hold out, we can get a better price for our this element that we're mining. But it's going to hit us in the short term. You know, we're going to lose 10% of our rationing for this, this short term, but it's going to benefit us in the long term. And the woman just goes, well, that's what the government wants to do, so I'm going to vote yes. And he just votes, well, I don't like them, so no. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's no objective, there's no sort of objectivity of looking at it and going, well, here's the situation, this is what we should do. And it happens again later. Um, and you have this thing about viewing reports and that, and we'll get onto the torture. But I thought it was really interesting that it actually didn't, it doesn't have clear cut lines. There's no like, he's right, she's wrong, she's right, he's wrong. Like throughout it, it just shows that, yeah, but, but basically they're not informed, they're not aware of the full facts. And so they are forming a the decision or an opinion based on their gut of how they feel about the party that's in, in, in power. And I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> well, um, it reminds us of today. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Uh, right. I mean, you know, one one person is Labour, the other person's Tory. I mean, one one's a Democrat, the other's a Republican, mm. and they vote based on that. And it's really basically like, do you trust this governor or do you hate him? Yes. Um, the, his actual argument, which I think is clearly correct, I think he's shown, the governor shown to be correct by the end, um, you know, and he's thinking in the long term. Mm. But I, I think this 
that's fascinating. But I also think that it's interesting the the portrayal of democracy here and the way that democracy is sort of co-opted. Um, that you know this is a totalitarian state, and really the governor is not actually the one in charge. Mm. Really, this sort of military regime is in charge. And what happens is when a governor loses a vote, he's sort of tortured. Nobody lasts four torture sessions. That's supposed to incentivize, you know, the governor. When he dies, uh, another governor is picked from this council, which does not seem to include the military people actually in charge. And so it seems as if, like, uh, on the one hand, it does present this depiction of democracy, quote unquote, as this sort of partisan exercise that has very little to do with rational arguments, although the rational arguments are, are made, right? The debates mm -hmm. mm. in our systems are made. It's just, you know, nobody really cares. They watch it. They just are like, yeah, yeah. I think Trump won. I, I think Biden won, you know, um, based on their a priori thinking. But then there's also this way in which, you know, which I think is a case for not necessarily Brexit or Trumpism, but is a case for sort of big suspicion of democracy that essentially if you substituted these military elites for like oligarchs in either of mm -hmm. our countries, the, the wealthy in either of our countries, they sort of rigged this system in which these figureheads are put up who do have some limited power, but who ultimately are disposable, ultimately are not really the seat of power. And so you have this pretense, this show of democracy, but the reality is much more a kind of fascistic oligarchy yeah well i think you, you're right because i think this is and i love it because this whole voting part of this i found i thought was absolutely brilliant because the other thing as well is that if if the governor uh he, he obviously makes like a proposal and then you have to vote yes or no on that proposal that's how this sort of voting system works and every time it's voted against, like he is tortured, like he has this beam comes down, it's sort of it's a DNA disruptor or something, and by four, you like I say it, it kills them. So what that does, though, because don't forget, a proposal is only a proposal. Yes and no to a proposal is only determined by how you word that proposal. Mm -hmm. And so, all that matters is he, you know, if you really want to, you know, you don't want to get killed, you don't want to be in pain. So then, like you say, you start to be influenced by the rest, by what is happening around you. You know, like you're saying, like those oligarchs or those the militaries involved. He's standing up against that. But like there are, there must have been governors that were like, all right, well, I know this is this is the way that the people want things because they obviously want that quick, short term um, satisfaction or they want some sort of that thing. So they will choose to take the, to word that proposal. So they will always win. I like what you're getting at. You're sort of getting at like the way that even this version of a kind of corrupted democracy is sort of idyllic, that it presumes yeah. that the governor words this in a fair way. And you're imagining a sort of like Boris Johnson who says, all right, on the one hand, we can have Brexit and prosperity, or on the other hand, we can be an irrelevant part of Europe and, uh, you know, lose economically. What are you going to vote for? Well, then once the vote comes in, you're not really you're held accountable for following that through, but you're not held accountable for all the adjacent promises that you've made. And so you could sort of rig the vote that way. And that's it's, not really contemplated here. No, but it's it sort of 
it's sort of by having that beam and stuff it's sort of almost you know you, you it's in inferred you can sort of tell that that's sort of one of the things that's clearly happened um i, I just thought that was interesting like saying that like no one in this democratic in this democratic i say in sort of inverted mm-hmm. commas system like no one is um I don't know no one is left out of it from a pain point of view. Like it's all negative. Like it shows democracy being completely negative because the people voting aren't informed enough. They're just given this single sort of two-line short proposal of what what the decision is to, that needs to be made, and then they get a yes or a no. They're not given the facts, the statistics, the the, the education that goes with that. So it shows that sort of an uneducated voting mass can be um, problematic. Uh, for the long run but then it also shows that sort of like there is massive influence on the people making the proposal um it made me think again you know i I often quote and think about like yes minister and yes prime minister sort of especially humphrey appleby um the wonderful character um and in that there's actually a thing about a survey and it's about conscription and he sort of says that you know do you think you know several questions like you know do you think the young should be given a purpose in life do you think they should be given a, a vocation oh yes 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 okay do you think it's bad that they get to hang around on the streets yes All right. well do you think that the army and military can provide discipline for young people yes do you think conscription is a good idea well yes you you can't you can't answer yes to those, all, all those questions and then say no to the final question but then you can also say um do you think it's worth basically training a, the, the youth of today in the use of weapons? And then you know, there's a series of questions where eventually you can't say you can't say yes to conscription. You have to say no to it. And again, like with this, like you see, do you think that we should abduct the young and take them away from them, their homes <laughs> and train them in the use of in of weapons and, and train them in effective killing techniques uh, on on murder bases? <laughs> yeah, basically. That's a different question. <laughs> a different question because then you get, well, no, 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 no. And again, I feel that this this ep- this this series is also is almost presenting that, and that the governor, like the governor, you get is a, is is trying to be a, a you know an, a guy of integrity, and is you know and the people are sort of like not willing to go with that. But you could easily have got someone like a Nixon or a Trump or a Blair or a Johnson or anyone else, and they would be mixing those words and sort of like shimming. So the people would always vote for them. Um. Because of the way it's been worded, or the fact that they know they complete, they understand the, the the tone of the mass, you know, where it's going to be voted. So they will always lean into that. The sort of populist thing. Exactly, I mean, populist. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm trying to get to. Suppose that's the word. It's populism, isn't it? And that's, and it sort of, so it sort of shows really, if you want to go to that channel, that populism is the populist idea is a complete fraud. Because all you're doing is leaning into the will of the uneducated people that don't really know what they want to vote for. Well, right. Although, you know, here, the idea that people should suffer in the short term, you know, in order to hold out to get a better deal is obviously the correct answer mm-hmm. right? Uh, within the constraints of this of this serial. Having said that, there is a kind of I mean, we're interpreting it based on our liberal bias. And, and I yeah. and I will do so further in a moment. <laughs> Having said that um, here. That here, that popular that populism would be seen as, say, a government handout. Like mm. you don't have to suffer. Don't worry. We're going to provide you food, and you know, so we'll get a worse price, and we'll continue our starvation cycle. Um, this would seem to be an anti-liberal message in, in which you know 
uh, we're providing, you know, an additional handout that people don't want to suffer. Um, you know, any government program is hard to take away. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that sort of old school conservative message. But I do think, you know, to make the liberal point, I mean, we, we are living in an era in which democracy polls poorly in both of our countries and in mm -hmm. the West in general. Um, and I think that this is fascinating for how it depicts democracy as possible in the midst of essentially a fascist state. Yeah. Um, and of course, this is 85. So, you know, whether it's whether it's Thatcher or Reagan, um, you know, you were talking about populists. But let's not forget, Ronald Reagan was a theocrat who mm -hmm. absolutely wanted to end Social Security, wanted to, you know, impose a federal abortion ban, um, you know, wanted to put no nothing um you know, ministers, uh, yeah. religious people in charge of, of major things um, and did to the full ex extent that he could. Um, you know, he was absolutely an anti-democratic theocrat. Um, and of course, he's been rehabilitated in, in certain circles. Um, and I don't think, you know, he was a horrible person who's burning in hell or something like that. But um but both Thatcher and Reagan do sort of illustrate how, without the current populist trend, how a democratic process can also have these very scary totalitarian elements to it. Mm. Well, no, yeah, you you talk about. I mean, I think you know, literally before we before we started recording, we were actually talking about some things, and I mentioned about the thing that brought down Thatcher was the poll tax. You know, literally, you know, it was just a sort of like, you know, it got put, put into power and the country just sort of went, nope, not doing that. Thank you very much. And just refused to pay it for the most part. And it ended up collapsing, becoming unenforceable. But that is the same here. It's just a sort of like, we're going to do this. Thinks the people are going to accept it. And they just vote no. In that case, the DNA disruptor just managed to sort of, you know, take, take her out. Um, but yeah, it, it is this sort of, it becomes almost this... Um, this weirdly sort of like symbiotic relationship between the governor and the people, though, because his life depends on them voting him to continue. Um, and so, of course, you would lean into sort of giving more populist um, choices because you could want to stay alive. Like, no one's that daft. But what I find interesting is that if you know, going back to the other side, is that couple that you see. Like the the woman who is all for the government and all for and trusting in the government votes yes. She agrees to the right answer, which, as you said, is sort of like well, like short term pain for long term gain. He votes no, but you know he he says to him, "Oh, he's incompetent. He's ordered," and she says, "Oh, well, yeah, you know, he's just as incompetent. No, he's, you know, he's incompetent. He's, he's as incompetent as." And she says, "The last one." So there's clearly this rhetoric of like, you know, every single one of them is just as bad as the other one. But he votes no just because he doesn't like him. And but it turns out like he actually gets he gets hit with he loses that vote. Mm -hmm. But she's not shown to have been um, choosing that decision because it's the right reason. She chose it because it's what he suggested to do. Because you find out later on that like she is writing what they call a viewer's report. They refer to it as a viewer's report and as a voting report as well. 
and it's basically going back to this idea of like you know i think we've seen it in fiction before sort of like basically shopping your mates so you know sort of he didn't watch he didn't watch his designated number of hours or he says about oh you just vote just you know you press twice you know they won't know and she says well they will know because i will tell them mm-hmm. so she's not making decisions because she's a good person or because she's an educated person she's taking it because she is but she's bought into the propaganda and will just do everything that this governor will say and that includes whether this is her husband or her brother she will turn him into the authorities to be as we will talk about shortly tortured and executed on live television yeah we'll get to that i mean yeah. the, the dynamics between them and, and i sort of I took them throughout as just kind of two workers who mm. weren't related, um, but are just sort of assigned to this together. You're right that they don't, neither one of them seems, uh, you know, correct or coming from the right reasons. And I think initially, initially, at least for me, you think that the guy is correct because the governor is a fascist leader, right? Mm. And, and you assume, you know, oh, these guys are trying to kill the doctor. His minions are trying to kill the doctor. This guy is a bad guy. And so, if anything, the guy seems, you know, to be making the right vote to to get rid of this, this you know, dictator sort of figure. And then over time, you realize that, no, probably the woman is making the correct vote, um, but that she's not doing it for enlightened reasons. Having said that, she's right to report him. I mean, he is committing a crime. He's stealing her vote. He's committing election fraud, you know. <laughs> no, he's not stealing her vote. He's giving up his vote for her. He's saying, well, you vote for me. I don't care, like, you know. No, he, he goes up at the end and he presses no uh, on both of them, right? He steals no, no, her no, vote. No, he, no he, she, he presses no and then she presses yes. And then it happens again later on. Well, um, but at the end, he presses no oh. and then he presses no on her side, too. Oh, okay. I didn't say that bit. So he still, and then she says, "Oh, I'll I'll report you. You know, mm. you that you have committed a crime. He has committed a crime, and she's right to report him, <laughs> albeit you know that reporting should not result in torture and murder." But that's the um, point, isn't it? It's about it's about the. Right. It's so a, she's not she's not right, but no, is more right. I don't know. I feel weird. Well, that, but that's the that, but that's the thing, isn't it? This whole thing is like, it does feel weird. Because throughout as well, this couple, that they are watching torture on TV. And they're debating mm. at one point about sort of like a, an execution. And he's going, I'm sure that was a repeat. And she's like, no, no, no. You're thinking about the blind guy from before that was the, the whatever. Um, no, that was, that was definitely a new one. And then, like, and is then there's that, that wonderful uh, misanthropic joke. Uh, well, he wasn't blind until they started the torture. Yes, <laughs> like, yeah. That's some gallows humor. Yeah, like that's what I'm saying. Like, and I think what what it's showing is neither of them are right, and neither of them are particularly wrong. Like, she's she is, um, she's all gung ho. She's bought into the propaganda of this system and the way it works, and so will always support the system. He, however, is is basically he. It appears like he works in the mines or whatever. And so he is browbeaten. He's almost like, look, there's nothing in this for me. I'm tired of doing it for the grander thing. What, what's in it for me? And I think he's more just worn out and tired. So he's just resentful of the entire system. So we'll always vote no because he always hates the system. Because it comes to the end. I mean, we talk about the torture as being a distraction and stuff, and we'll get to that. But one of the, you know, I'm going to skip right to the end because mm-hmm. the very final thing you see, it goes back to this couple. And I love that it can keep them consistent. 
when it's all happened, the doctor does his thing and, you know, it's overthrown and we'll get to the reasons behind that because they realise the sort of the, the value of the ore that they're mining. It goes back to this couple and they say, like, it's all changed. We're free. Mm. And she says, he says, are we? She's like, yes, we're free. And, you know, this is like, well, well, what does that mean? What happens next? And it ends with her just saying, I don't know. And they look worried. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, and you're off. And I'm just <laughs> like, hang on. Like, it completely acknowledges the things we've said about the macro terror. Exactly. It completely acknowledges this thing where you're like, and the doctor's off having screwed with this thing again. But I'm like, it's good. He's made the progress. But like, I like the fact that it completely acknowledges from a, from a, um, a worker's point of view or from the, from the masses point of view, like this change of like just this person coming in, floating in, causing havoc and leaving, like it leaves a massive wake in this, in it's sort of behind it. And I thought that was brilliant. I really, I like that. So I like this couple throughout as a sort of a, a barometer of what's going on. Yeah. I, I agree with everything that you're saying. And, and it's amazing that the doctor never meets them. They have yes. no role in the plot except nope. to provide that view on how some common people are experiencing the society. Um, and and I, I quite like that. I mean, it's one of the things we complained about in the Macro Terra. Mm. I think that ending, it reminds me of, is it the candidate with Robert Redford where, you know, he wins and then it's like, well, what do we do now? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, um, I, I, I love that, that ending. I, I do think, you know, we still have the sort of conventional ending of the governor Apparently, you know, abolishing uh, not just torture and executions, but injustice. And it's like, well, what is the system you're proposing to replace this? It's not entirely clear. It is it is a little path that he, you know, can make an instant reform from a totalitarian state to to presumably something better uh, overnight. But there's no structure yet. No. And yeah, and that's what they're reacting to is like. Well, now, I mean, this is this is this is the end of Return of the Jedi, right? Yes. I mean, right. Now you have to build a government. You, yes. You've overthrown that. That's the hard work. I want to see that movie. Let's let's get into right. There's, there's so many elements. But one of the things is the thing that's been keeping them down. And then keeping this sort of thing is that they've been trapped on this 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 um, mining prison planet and they don't have interstellar travel they cannot leave this planet and so the only way they can sort of like they trade their ore is with this um little sort of like i don't know fishy worm creature that has these sort of bodyguards a wonderful little character by the way yeah um, and i like the fact they actually got someone it's, it's i'm in two minds again this guy ha- is, is just have to walk this woman he has a sort of physical disability but he's a wonderful little actor like that's really patronizing he's a wonderful actor like and he relishes his character and i look lo- i liked him on screen every time he was on um but i like the fact that like, he controls the distribution and he's constantly telling them well it's it's a bit it's a bit pointless it's a bit useless like you know i'm taking it off your hands if anything like you know I'm selling it, but like, I'm I'm almost you know. It made me think of um, if you've read the Terry Pratchett books, and you're like, you know, cut your own, cut my own throat, Dibbler. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Sort of like, well, I'm doing you a favor. But I'm cutting my own throat by doing this kind of thing. And so they believe that this guy is doing them a favor 
by getting whatever money he can, but not realizing actually that this is a really valuable, rare mineral. And so he's making gangbusters, as is this other military leader, that's making huge amounts of cash out of this. Um, and so it's this manipulation of the sort of supply and demand of like who, you know, distribution versus um, uh, mining and sourcing and stuff. And so I kind of I thought that was fascinating as well. But as you say, once he sort of calls it at the end, and because the, the doctor's gone like, oh, this is a, this is a really important ore. I need it for the TARDIS, and there's all these other reasons to have it. It's a really incredible, in precious metal, precious. Metal. They don't have a means of distribution. Oh, I'm still, I'm still. Oh, great. So you're going to end. You've just lost your single contract for distribution, and you know, so like, who else is coming to help you with this? <laughs> like. Yeah, I was confused by that as well. I mean, I, I think that, like, the basic setup is sort of um, almost a colonial one, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, still is part of this alien mining consortium. There are references to others, yes. especially one in particular, um, throughout that he's sort of paranoid is gonna yeah. that they've negotiated with. So presumably at the end, there are other mining companies that will be able to come in and, and begin, you know, distribution. But that's but that's not really shown. And I like that there is this sort of exploitation and it is mm -hmm. a kind of capitalist exploitation with, you know, obviously monopolistic overtones of sort of uh, saying, right, well, we're the United States and that's our oil. See, you know, you have an independent government, quote unquote, but you're selling it to us and you're yes. selling it at the prices that we basically extort. Um, don't worry, your ruling party will be perfectly rich, um, but yeah. your people probably won't do too well. Um, you figure it out. And and so I quite like that sort of exploitation there. Um, you know, and, and also here it's it's based on being able to deceive them about the value of the Zyton 7, right? Mm. Um, which is more difficult on our planet, right? Like, I mean, they seem to have the ability to transmit to these ships, even if they can't leave the mining colony. Has nobody has not nobody told them like, you know, you're sitting on a gold mine, right? Like this yeah. is really valuable. But I still I like the setup. I don't really I did feel that the end is a little convenient as the doctor is, um, you know, confronting Sill, who he leaves to presumably be executed, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, and then still has contacted an invasion fleet. And, you know, this is also sort of good. This is in that same sense of imperialism, like, mm -hmm. right, you're going to pay the price that we want or we'll just come in and overthrow your puppet government. But then conveniently, right at that moment, there's a message that says, uh, oh, right, we found another source. This is the one planet in the universe uh, that has this. We found another source of Zython 7. So as we've launched the invasion fleet, that did seem a little convenient. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Um, but was that a real message or was that set up by the Doctor? See, that would be great. I mean, I, I don't think that there's any implication that it, it has no. been. But, but if they did that, that would be, as we tend to do, as you tend to do, like fix the script's problems. Yeah. That is so easily fixed and would be quite clever. Because I was a bit confused by that last ending because of that thing where they cancel the invasion fleet because they're like, you know, oh, we found some more. And because straight away I'm like, 
But the story is now literally devaluing the thing that the doctor's trying to let them do. Mm-hmm. Because you've literally right. undermined their negotiating power because they're like, ah, well, now we have the only site on Severed. And this mining cause going, oh, no, 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 we found it elsewhere. No, we're good. Thank you. You're you're too much of a problem to deal with now. Like, it's literally undermined its own ending, which yeah. I was a bit confused by. Right. So, which, is why so I thought, sorry, which is why I thought the message was fake. I thought, it's got to be fake. Otherwise, it makes no sense. But it's very strange. It doesn't really make sense because, you know, you're right that in a in a sort of free market economy, you know, the price of Zyphon 7 has presumably plunged due to discovering an additional source. <laughs> yeah. At the same time, I mean, an invasion fleet has been ordered. The infl- the discovery of uh, another source then causes the cancel of the fleet. But then you get this additional message that says, well, now that we need to conquer this other planet with Zyphon 7, we need a bunch of Zyphon 7 to do that to power our ships. <laughs> So negotiate Zython 7 and pay any price, which would seem to negate the negation of the invasion fleet. And yeah. if you're so desperate for Zython 7, just, just invade, them both. invade them first. Yeah. 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 I, it's, it's very strange. Yeah. And that's why, that's why I was sort of, I didn't go back and watch it, but I did watch it and thought like, okay, I've missed something here. That must be a fake message. But like, it's not, then that's just, it, it, it's one of those things that we've said about Doctor Who on you know a couple of occasions. It's sort of gone, end, clunk, what's it going to be? And then it sort of comes to an end. Um, and um, so, yeah, it feels like a bit of a sort of a sticky ending. It feels a clunky ending in some ways. Um, however. But only, like, but only with the, the trading guild, right? Yes. I mean, yeah. Yeah, but even so, even with that, I like the fact, like you said, they're, they're using the sort of the exploitation as an idea. They, I mean, there's so many ideas in this. Like, you know, um, what? <laughs> some are good, some are bad. And I agree with you, yeah. Sill is a great, I mean, he's like a fish dude. Yes. You know, <laughs> yeah. he's like a fish dude, man. Like they, they actually, and you see the prosthetics, but, you know, and he's sitting on a, a vat, you know. But, um, you know, he's got, two arms and basically like a mermaid, uh, you know, ending to his body. And there's this delightful sequences near the, unfortunately near the end. I thought they should have done this early on as he forces them to sort of spray him with water, you know, to keep hydrated. I mean, it's so charming. Uh, And and you're right to point out the handicapped issue, um, you know, or ableism, but still, I mean, he's a, he's a wonderful, but but you were going to talk about other things. No, I was just going to say you were saying about yeah, certainly ideas that, that you know that they've thrown in here. You and and it's the fact that they've tried that I think I really appreciate. The ending is clunky in that sort of that with that message, um, and a little confused. But it is the fact that like they've clearly gone. We you know we because my, my understanding of Doctor Who up to this point is. Uh, and I, I even sort of read this as I was sort of doing a bit of research. Like, oh, the writing's lackluster. They're running out of ideas. They didn't know what to do. You know, the the, the budgets were down, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I'm watching this and I'm going like, there's a hundred ideas in this. And as you say, not all of them works, you know, but the, I think the hit rate is actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. I think it looks good because I think still looks great. I think it's a fantastic like design and some of those funny little pieces. I like the fact that they're covering that they're covering themselves by having this sort of thing of the masses being um, representing sort of like, you know the values of the people sort of stuff like I'm and so I've read this and I'm like well that m- must have happened later like I don't want to watch the other story you know, the other serials then but this actually I can see why this is held up for this doctor as a good story 
because um, I was and I was a bit confused because one of the things I wanted I did want to switch on we'll get onto is the entertainment element mm. of this because this is the other thing yeah. about the the financing yes. of the planet and so <laughs> yeah and I, I, I want to talk about this a little bit so basically as you say sort of part of the punishment and part you know that is executions and torture. I mean, there's this beam of light that does this thing. But every execution, every sort of film to, uh, session of torture is broadcast for people's entertainment. Sort of like, you know, sort of uh, mojo world sort of kind of way of doing things. and it, Or even like The Running Man, sort of like I'm thinking, mm. this, this has been mm-hmm. done a number of times. But I kind of like the other thing is, they've, they've got this thing called The Punishment Dome, Um where it all sort of takes place. I mean, you see bits and pieces, but the whole thing has got cameras on it. So even mm. every element of this has been watched. So when the doctors and, and the, the guys, uh, his companions, sort of escape, like it's not that they've gone like it's not like Batman where they're like they're watching about Batman's about to be executed. It's going on national TV, and when he escapes, it all goes off. Like no, they run down a corridor. People are still watching this. Yes, um, and they're cutting from camera to camera, and I, I loved that as a as a sort of as a an in as well. That they you go back to that couple that 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 couple they're they're picking favorites out of this yes. group, and I thought that was brilliant. And they're like, oh, he's dead now. You know, yeah, they're just, yeah. They're, they're just uh, providing color commentary. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm fascinated by the role of sadism in this mm. serial because it does seem to be really sadistic and it does sort of expect you as the audience to enjoy it to a certain degree which is after all why it's presented now of course it's done with you know beams of light and rays as opposed to watching knives go into flesh but i mean on a meta level i love this sort of recognition of like yeah this is what you're tuning into doctor who to see right like we all know you want monsters murdering people you know and that's part of the fun and getting murdered um but the presentation of it in the serial is very strange and it, and it does seem to be a sort of like you said a sort of conglomeration of ideas none of which really are fully thought out or or work together like so yeah. for example this punishment dome is filled with this, there does seem to be this hallucinogenic technology that they have that, that comes in multiple times, which is cool. I, 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 there's no real explanation for it. Um, and it's linked to this mutation technology that they have, which is, which is daft and, and, and terrible stuff. But at least it's tied to the same sort of technology mm-hmm. in a way. Um, but, you know, you said this sort of punishment dome area. Why do you have on a mining colony where space is at a premium you know, a whole area to like release people in and have them deal with traps and hallucinations. And then all of that is broadcast. And yet the military is trying to find them while people are watching their locations. That was was the one thing I was going to bring up at one point that they're being chased down and then it flicks to the couple watching them. And I'm going like, why don't they? Yeah, why don't the guards just turn the telly on? <laughs> yeah, it, clearly tell them where they are. Um, well, one of the things that's interesting, and I was I was actually going to ask this question because it's sort of one of those chicken and egg kind of scenarios. Because at one point the governor actually says, "Oh, we've got a bit of a side hustle going on. We've actually getting quite a lucrative deal in broadcasting these things now, this torture and execution and these other things uh, on tapes to other planets." 
So we're actually getting, and the guy says, oh, well, if you want to help with that, like, Sill actually says, like, oh, well, you know, we can we can help with that distribution as well if you really want to. But they're already picking this up. So I actually, in my head, again, I have to have this head cannon. Uh, and going back to, again, sort of, you know, it made me think of um, the torture room in, oh, what's the, the, the James Woods film? Um, oh, uh, Videodrome. Videodrome. There you yeah, go. Yeah. Um, that idea of sort of starting probably with just simple executions and that the whole place may have been for a different purpose. And then they've gone like, you know, we've got to up the ratings. We've got, we need people to be more interested. And it's it's escalated since then. And so it probably started with just a single chamber where they're like, you know, they hang people that like you see sort of later on with the doctor. And then later, like, then it's grown into this just light technology and this sort of other torture. And then it's like the corridors of doom with the hallucinations where they'll see a fly or whatever. Um, and the tendrils and the cannibals and all this other weird stuff. Like, it's almost, it, it felt like The Running Man. Yeah. The Arnold Schwarzenegger movie and the, the, the Stephen King book. Like, again, this thing of, like, people tuning in to see people put through the paces, as we see happen. Um, and again, like it's, it's this weird meta-commentary, isn't it, about what you're tuning in to see. Yeah. And it's one of those odd things where, because films have tried to do this, like The Running Man sort of tries to do it, and there's a film later on with the uh, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin movie, um, which name escapes me there, but he ends up on an island, a bit like Battle Royale, and the sort of the, you know, uh, or, the, or, or even like the Hunger Games. This idea of betting on people in combat in a sort of an isolated location, that sort of thing. And it's sort of like, you know, oh, it's so wrong to watch this. This is terrible for to do this. But you've literally tuned into this film to see people blown up and mm-hmm. killed in this way. So it becomes this sort of push and pull of morality around this situation. Um, and it does it in this as well, where it's like, Yes, it's um, you know it's terrible that they are doing this to people and, and distributing these tapes, and that's why I think the, the whole punishment dome has been created or has grown over time. Because you, you think it, it, I think they've been over two hundred years, and that's what they're selling. Yet you're still tuning in to watch the Doctor run through corridors and chased, be chased by monsters. So, well, I mean, I think that um, you know I'm reminded of my sort of standard critique of uh, you know not just action movies but sort of superhero movies and sort of any violent genre which is you know the sort of agreement with the audience Mm. um you know which i find you know fundamentally a sort of evil agreement not to acknowledge right which is that we're going to watch the terrorists or the bad guys commit these acts right i'm going to i'm going to watch hannibal lecter let's say I'm going to watch him take people's faces off. I'm going to watch him, you know, eat people. Um, I'm going to watch these horrible, horrible things and and clearly enjoy it because that's what I'm going to see in the movie. But I get to pretend that I'm not enjoying it because I root for the protagonist and the protagonist wins at the end and the moral order is restored. And I never have to think about how I'm enjoying this viscerally. Yeah, well, this is... The, the, I would say a better example of this is late 80s slasher horror, mm-hmm. where yeah. init- initially you want to see Jason, Michael, Freddy beaten. That's the idea. You want to see. So if you go to watch any of their first appearances from, you know, Halloween 78 through, you know, more like um, Friday the 13th Part 2 and, and Nightmare on Elm Street, 
those initial couple are about beating Freddy. That's the point of beating Jason. But then over time, because the because the only consistent element is that person, is that is the you know, antagonist, Freddy, Jason, whatever, there becomes a switch. I mean, it's clear, like, we, it's well documented that Friday at Nightmare on Elm Street 3 becomes that switch where all of a sudden mm. it's not about beating Freddy, it's, oh, you are now watching this to enjoy Freddy kill people in unusual and fun dream ways. And the rest of the series becomes that. And it, you're right, it becomes like the people get set up as dominoes to be killed off. Yeah. And but that's, that's explicit a, even in horror to begin with right yes, i mean it is it, but it it's becomes just, more acknowledged in the 80s it was a bit right. more of a wink wink nudge nudge we know why you're here where before it was a bit more implicit you know there was definitely yeah yeah and i mean i of course you're right and i think that um you know the other thing we should remember is that this is also the era of as as you call them the video nasties yes and <laughs> uh you know, we had, I remember uh, the Faces of Death videos, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, being yeah. able to rent them um, and, you know, sort of knowing like this was something illicit uh, to watch um, and sort of fake snuff films, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, so this is potentially responding to that. I, I think so. I think, I think again, and this is what I'm saying. Like, there's so much in this show, mm. <laughs> this serial, that I'm just like, oh my god. But yeah, I, I agree. I think there is this element of, um, you know, it's taken to the extreme. But this idea of sort of the distraction, um, extreme, you know, cinema, extreme horror, extreme sort of violence being this thing. But even, even at one point, even the the guy, excuse me, the the, the guy worker in the couple actually acknowledges it like he's he has a, he's having a nap which is why he's not viewing and he actually says like i'm just bored it's just a distraction like, it doesn't mean anything and again i think it, again not only is it sort of a poke at as you say like the video nasties and this sort of you know implicit meta knowledge that actually you're watching this show because of the mm. the adventure the thrills of it but also this idea that like tv in in, in and of itself and this is the bizarreness like you know this is the whole thing Sometimes there's episodes of like Black Mirror that does this, like you know, mm. TV shows and television is just a distraction from the real things that are going on the world, on going on in the world. Don't be distracted by television. Go and you know face into the world, but also watch television so that we can have a budget to make these <laughs> TV shows because I have a job in television. Yeah, um, and it's, it becomes that sort of weird. And I think there's that as well, where it's sort of like you know it acknowledges that television is a distraction from. Um, the action, you know, what, what government is actually doing. Um, yeah. Well, and I think that we shouldn't ignore the political element of this. Um, you know, that the television, these these murders, these executions, um, you know, which metaphorically stand in for Doctor Who and, yeah. and you know, video nasties, but, but also Doctor Who and, and other stuff, um, have a function of bread and circuses for the population. Yes. And I often think about that function, especially today when we have a plethora of streaming options. I mean, yeah. the, the average person in the West has access to more media than uh, existed even, you know, 30 years ago. Mm. This, can you imagine, you know, being in the, not just the middle ages, but being in like the 1800s and uh, having to read a book by candlelight, you know, like yeah. after it's, it's dark outside, you know, this is what we have. Um, so we have all of this entertainment 
And, you know, sometimes I, I, I quite admire the people who are honest about it and will say like, yeah, I don't know that the Marvel movies are good movies. But you know what I do know is I work, you know, eight hours at a job that I hate where my boss demoralizes me and I know I'm not valued. And I come home and what I really want to watch is Iron Man beat up Thanos, you know. Yeah. And hey, that's the ultimate trump card. Like, I'll shut up. Like, like that's awesome. Everybody should like what they like. But it does serve this kind of function of, yeah, you know, I don't believe in democracy anymore. Uh, I feel powerless over income inequality. I don't believe that I will ever own a house. I don't, and I know that it will be even worse for my children. I can't get an education without paying for it for the rest of my life. All of this sucks, and I have no idea how to fix it. And we live in oligarchical states. On the other hand, I'm going to come home and watch Netflix and binge something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I do think that element is is here too. Yeah, no, I agree. That's totally what it is. Like he he says it. Like, the 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 worker guy says like, look, I'm I'm exhausted. I've been working all day in the mine. Like, I just want to just basically <laughs> just want yeah, I want to just Netflix and chill. Um, and she's like, no, no thank you. Um, he doesn't want to come home and just watch some good old fashioned torture. You know? Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm an American. That's in my blood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you're, yeah, that's it. But the, the blood comes from the British, so we started it. You know, so. <laughs> Who invented, um, you know, internment camps? We did. Um, well, you, you guys used to have bear baiting, you know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes, we did. I, I, we did. I, uh, you know, I'm from Coventry, and Coventry's right next to Warwickshire. Um, beautiful, beautiful town, beautiful, uh, wonderful county. And then their uh, emblem is a bear strapped to a post with a chain. So. <laughs> It's a and little no, on the nose. Oh yeah, well, no, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's been there for, for millennia. So, um, we we you know, the, the, people look at that and go, "Oh, that's fascinating." You go, "Yeah, it's got a history, but you know, it's not so cute in <laughs> in practice." Yeah, let's See, go back, like a, you know, I mean, to be fair, we're talking fifteen hundred years. Yeah, you know, of this course, is I know, long time, but um, well, and you know, people, there are cultures that still do this, but yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we. Um, uh, the other thing I wanted to say about this this torture as entertainment thing um, is it is amazing to me when when we're talking about how dark this uh, serial is, how it is just assumed that everybody finds this entertaining. Um, <laughs> like there is never a word spoken against this as entertainment. Um, there are words spoken against torture and execution as commonplace and you see people who protest their innocent going to die but the idea that something is wrong with your brain if you enjoy watching sadistically somebody being tortured is never mentioned the doctor and his companions never voice that uh sill i mean who is an alien i mean to me it's like there's got to be something weird about like would we enjoy watching sills weird species being tortured and killed Probably not as much as we would humans, right? That mm. would be a little strange. But he just relishes these videos and the idea that, oh, every alien species just enjoys videos of sadism and murder is never, never questioned. And I find this sort of, I, I, I don't, I, I, maybe it should, I think it should, probably should be questioned, but there is this really dark way in which the serial just yeah. absolutely assumes everybody yeah. is a sadist when it comes right down to it. 
Oh yeah, no, yeah, I, I like the, you're right. I mean, you know, you could put in something like, you know, this is all they've, you know, this that thing, like, this is all they've known. That's you know, this is this is all they've known on the um, on Varos. So you can probably excuse that. But yeah, but then the moment that Sil learns about it, the the sort of like you, the relish is a really good word for it. Like yeah, the, his reaction of like really, you you've got videos of torture. Like, oh, I'll get me some of that. Um, yeah, like. It's a visceral reaction when he's all like, <laughs> he's like physically excited, and you're like, hey, that's weird. That's just weird. <laughs> but it's also like you said, the fact that it's it's becoming, as the governor says, like a lucrative income stream for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, he, he this governor that is is set up to be uh, a figure of good. By the end of the show, by the end of the zero, it's still going like, yeah, no, I'm making a fortune off uh, torturing these these rebels and stuff, and it's actually a really good income stream for us. Uh, it's you know it's probably more stable than this mining stuff that we're being conned out of. Um, if the mo- right. if, and if there's going to be a period where the mining contracts are going to fall out of favour, you know they're going to they're going to have to renegotiate, they have to kind of like you know, before they can make any money off it. That might be the only income stream that they've got. <laughs> Well, and I know I'm reading too much into this, but uh, does this not remind you of the transition to a service economy, Uh, especially because it's mining? And both of our countries have, you know, uh, segments of the population that are miners that are losing their jobs as we transition away from coal um, and, you know, can do mining through uh, things like blowing up entire mountainsides uh, more cheaply. And for some reason, God knows why that's legal. Um, But, you know, you have these miners saying, well, what's going to happen? How are we going to transition to a service economy? Mm. Um, And it it does. I mean, I know I'm, I'm overthinking this perhaps, but it does seem like this transition from, I mean, that service from a, a Zeiton seven mining camp to a, exporting of of media right to yeah, you know to hollywood yeah. of outer <laughs> space it's just that we specialize in torture and execution it's mojo world um, yeah but, yeah, right. so, but you're right and also let's not forget 1985 um the mine we've had the miners riots mm. uh before this thatcher has been closing down the coal mines um you know yeah so no mining in this country obviously was a big controversial topic up until this around this point so to, for them to be you i think i don't think you're reading too much into it at all this idea of miners having you know firstly miners being duped into the value of their uh contribution and their sort of their resource but then also this idea of something being taken away from them and not having uh stability or assurance in the future like yeah what happens now i, I don't know like i've been you know, uh, I I vaguely remember sort of this. You know, I know people that one one of my guy's friends. You know, he's got Welsh family, and they sort of he's told stories of like in this time when he was a kid, and they were like, "Yeah, we have no idea what's going to happen next." Mm. You know, this is what we've been doing for generations in this part of town. You know, this part of the country. Like, this is, you know, it's even that's it's, it's a cliche in some of these times. You know, we've seen it and we've talked about it in some films and stuff. Where like a, a sawmill or a coal mine or a steel mill is the sort of the lifeblood of a town, and then it shuts down and that town dies. But that's real. That happened. And yeah, uh, it's still happening. I mean, yeah. Look at Detroit. 
yeah, exactly. Yeah, an industry leaves Coventry was the same. Yeah, it, re- it rebuilt after all, but like an industry leaves a town or a city, like it, it that's its lifeblood. Um, and it, so you can see you can see that I think being played out in this 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 serial. Um, well, it, I like that, the idea that at the end, what's going to happen is they're going to say, right, uh, torture and execution have been outlawed. We now have a just society. On the other hand, the Zaiton Seven has been uh, undermined by uh, finding other things. What could we do? Well, yeah, let's bring that torture back. We'll just select the people who we now think deserve it, and we'll export torture videos, and they go (laughs) right back to uh, torture being uh, an everyday occurrence. Yeah, it will be be incremental. And I don't think, right, it will go other ways because there'll be that thing of like well we can't torture and we can't you know torture and kill everybody <laughs> but there aren't murderers well yeah it's that sort of monty python-esque thing isn't it well yeah well of course murderers but rapists and rapists yeah, totally you can murder those or they can be executed yeah, yeah yeah we can do those and then basically they form a list don't they and they draw a line and then all of a sudden it's like well parking tickets well, well there's lots of them you know, parking. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, well, they that's have done something wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and the other thing I would say is as well, if they are willing to sort of, um, <laughs> if this, you know, this reaction of humans being tortured and killed sells well, and this is just coming to mind now, maybe it's sort of like you know, <laughs> these things happen in society. There would be that question of going, well, what else can we do? What else can we videotape? What else can we produce? And they go, well, I hear pornography just doing well as well. Let's try that. Yeah, this becomes a vice capital. This is basically <laughs> sort of like, uh, var- oh, again, I want the doctor. This is what I want. I yeah. want this to be like a recap. The doctor comes back in its next incarnation to all these planets. And Varos is basically sort of like some really like seedy media corporation that just sort of puts out filth. And he's actually run by James Woods. Like, that's <laughs> what I- well, I, we could even call it Vice on Varos. Oh, yes. There you go. That's the sequel I want. Vice on Varos. Because um, it's true. Like I say, that, that, that's what would happen. They've still got to have an income. They've still got an income stream. And that's that incremental sort of like pushing of the line would keep happening. Um, yeah. yeah. They could. I mean, and, and at some point, the Zyton 7 is going to be exhausted. Um, yeah. Or you're going to begin to mine it less, knowing that you're ex- Boarding less and therefore driving the price up and can keep that price elevated for a longer time if you're smart. Um, right. So you've got to find another <laughs> another sector to go into. Well, and there you go. That's the new Trek version of this would be like, well, mining's not sustainable, is it? Mm. And it's killing the planet of Varos. So what else can you do? And they'd be like, titties. And that'd be it. That's the, that, you know, that'd be the end of the episode. I don't know. It just... It, it, it's one of those things like we've going back to the macro terror the more i think about it, the end of this is sort of like the doctor swoops in makes some changes and swoops out again and you're still going like um it, it, it you know like you've just caused massive social chaos there's mm-hmm. going to be riots and there's, there's going to be food riots there's going to be like like you know they're all one of the things that's interesting about they're all underground as well like this is this is uh, Mm. mentioned twice so they're all underground this whole thing is underground this whole facility okay well there's gonna be ventilation there's gonna be air problems so like okay they can't afford stuff and things start breaking down and like you know 
it, it just oh, yeah, I was like this this sort of I get it, it's leaving on a positive note, mm. but again, as you and I keep saying, like I, I, all I keep seeing is like I want to see the follow up. I want what happens next. Right, the the, the wrath of Khan. Uh, yes. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. And it, the other thing I think about along the, the same lines. There you go. Right, indeed. Uh, <laughs> but the the other thing I think about is how. Although this does a better job of at least admitting that they're left sort of nowhere. Yeah. That we like to imagine these totalitarian states or, or things that we object to politically or, you know, or, you know, in a society as sort of arbitrary, that they arise out of nothing and they are arbitrary cultural institutions that can just be gotten rid of. Mm. At least this acknowledges, right, this is, you know, the whole government system, um, you know, what replaces it. But, you know, in the same way that I think about, you know, the failure of uh, Star Wars in the wake of uh, Empire Strikes, uh, Return of the Jedi to uh, to envision the building of a government. Right. Mm. It's far easier to destroy one. Um you know, I I think it's important for, you know, one of the, the things that I always have, I always point out to people when they talk about, you know, like, well, why do we do it this way? It's not fair that I should have to, you know, pay this tax or yeah. fill out this form to to get this assistance from the government or, you know, that college is run this way or, or whatever else. I think, you know, or healthcare. you know, I think, all right, well, you might be right, but this system evolved for these reasons. They evolved historically. These are not accidents. And I think understanding that these are not arbitrary things that exist out of time and space, it's just, you know, um, somebody took over. Well, you know, probably at some point uh, having a totalitarian ruler made sense. Having, mm. you know, this, this entertainment made sense. These are institutions that evolved for reasons other than one person decided it should be so. Yeah. Um, and so I like any depiction of culture that shows it as predicated upon a set of historical precedents and a set of historical assumptions that then acquires a weight of its own. And the solutions have to then be predicated upon the past, uh, mm. a continuity with those past and with those circumstances. Um, because I'm often bothered by this sort of assumption that these are just arbitrary institutions or, you know, uh, why do we do it this way? And then everybody comes in and, and tries to make the same changes that the last generation made and gets the same explanations. I mean, you see this in companies, too, where it's like, mm. yeah, we tried that. We've had this discussion. I've been here long enough to remember this discussion of doing it exactly this different way. Uh, yeah and uh, you know uh, that's a really good a good point actually within an organization because i've been in those i've been in those meetings where you get some sort of like somebody comes into the business fresh-faced and all that other stuff and like we've i've got this idea we want to do this and everyone sort of looks at each other and goes yeah no we we, we tried that it wasn't sustainable didn't work and they go no no we're not, no you're not missing you're not you're not understanding me i want to do this and this and you're going like yeah yeah no we do understand you <laughs> there's a reason that this sort of like we have to do it this way whether it be budgetary or resource or whatever like it's a pipe dream we might get there but we can't do it now mm -hmm. um but again like you know you say about sort of 
coming in and changing things without having that, you know, that government or that structure. I mean, look at the 20th century, you know, post-World War One. you know, the rest of Europe sort of goes like, right, penalise Germany. We're taking out, you know, the Kaiser's gone and we're going to bring in this sort of, this is how it's going to be run. And it results in, you know, the rise of fascism. It results in sort of World War Two. Following World War Two. You know, we sort of learn a lesson a little bit, but we we end up literally splitting Germany in half. Um, American Britain and others sort of like literally, uh, not so much invade, but sort of like act as an arbitrary police force for Japan. Mm. And, sort of, and that has consequences and some good, some bad. I mean, you know, you look at it now, sort of almost 100 years, was 80 years, you know, hence now, and they've recovered both those countries to an extent. But the pain, that pain that followed those events, and I think it's interesting that sort of like you know, that that you know that change is painful, and this episode sort of has that that dour note at the end of like yeah, change from the norm is gonna be painful, and it's gonna be difficult. Um, yeah, especially big change like that. Yeah, and so I kind of like, I, I, like you say I love that they acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. But it's still that you, know, you referred to sort of the doctor as that Han Solo kind of character, sw- almost swashbuckling in his sort of like multicolored dream coat. <laughs> um, but that, that and that, but that becomes more of a problem because it is. It's like swashbuckling in, cause the problem, or so- solve the problem as it were, and then swashbuckle out again. And you so you get that savior mentality, but like there's still the work to do to make sure people are uh, provided provide for and that sort of thing so I, I do feel compelled to point out that that my understanding of uh the treaty of versailles is that it was not historically uh, bad for germany compared to a compared to uh most um treaties uh post-war mm. treaties and that the rise of hitler probably had more to do with the economy but even oh, that's then, definitely true yeah but even then now you know right when you're burning deutschmarks you know for heat <laughs> But but uh, which is still that's still traumatizing. I mean, mm-hmm. the, but um, the uh, I mean, hence the German savings rate. But, um, you know, and of course, now we're seeing like rise of, you know, fascism in countries where the whole theory was like, wait, where's the economic collapse? Uh, you yeah. know, no, well, this is just because you feel like it. Yeah. The thing the thing with the, the Treaty of Versailles was it was less about economic collapse and the, but well, it sort of led to something and obviously you know the 1929 but it was, but it was before that that, that their economic economy collapsed but it was a big part of it but it was about national embarrassment that was the point mm. of Versailles it was about nationally embarrassing the, the Germans and that was a bit the biggest stinger was for them to be sort of like held up as an example of like basically you don't mess with the rest of Europe and and you know um the the sort of and we, in, in, as Britain in particular, were very sort of proud to kick the crap out of them for a while after the war. Rub their face in it a little. Exactly, totally. Yeah. And that was the biggest problem, as it sort of like it wasn't just a slap on the wrist or anything. It continued to sort of we continued to take resources and everything out of that country for you know close to a decade after after the oh, war. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, of course, that that was that's normal. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, I, I take your point um, and how these things are always historically contingent. And um, 
I mean, the other thing that I found myself thinking as you were talking is that, you know, this sense of the swashbuckling um, sort of imperialists coming in and saying, you know, now here, obviously, there are elements such as the, the governor that don't like the current system, right, or have problems with it. But uh, I mean, of course, he doesn't totally realize what's going on yet. But the swashbuckling imperialist comes in and, quote unquote, solves the problems. Right. Yes. Except it's the people who have to create another government mm-hmm. and really solve those problems long term. And then I find myself thinking, you know, every nation state or every government is a dystopia to somebody. You know, yeah. it's a sort of sliding scale. And we were talking beforehand about like um, sort of uh, cultural values and how. Mm. The difference, you know, how I draw a line between, say, uh, war crimes and, you know, making women wear veils. Right. Yeah. Which I object to, but which I don't think, you know, abrogate a, a nation's sovereignty the way war crimes do. Um, and there's this debate and I think it's a continuing, evolving discussion about where we draw those lines. But, you know, you can easily imagine and, and we are in a scenario whereby, all right, gassing your own people. Clearly, the doctor comes in, solves that problem. Yeah. But, you know, go forward a few generations. You know, why are your women veiled? We need to solve this problem, too. And and it becomes this sort of sliding scale. No, I agree. Again, we, we talked about that with regards to sort of like the use of nuclear weapons, wasn't it? Like, you know, at what point are you looking to activate that nuclear deterrent? Um, not for veils. Obviously, that wasn't what we were saying at all, just to be clear. That was the um, one thing we agreed on, is yeah. veiling women gets you nuked. Because um, yes. nothing helps veiled people forced to be veiled and in, uh, into arranged marriages like nuclear Armageddon. That's right, exactly. Yeah. Puts, it equal play, puts everyone on an equal playing field then. Sometimes you have to raise the village to save it, brother. <laughs> yes. Raise the world at that point. Um <laughs> But one of the points we, we were making, is like, yeah, the, the doctor is almost like that nuclear option, isn't it? Because he does, he just comes in, blows everything up, and leaves, and you're sort of like, okay, well, now in in the sort of the aftermath of that, we've now got to pick something together that's going to work in the short term and in the long term. And one of the things I've learned in many cases is your long-term solution will often be dictated by your short-term, the success of your short-term solution. Mm. Expand um, on that. So, uh, if, if, for example, uh, I'll, I'll use a technology example, and then I'll expand on that. If you were going to deploy a brand new system, mm. so someone is very, very used to using a system at work, a piece of technology, you know, a piece of software, and you say, we're going to give you a brand new system. This brand new software is going to come in, but we're going to deliver it in bits and pieces. Uh, and so you're going to get this piece first. OK, it's a short term solution. It will get better in the future. We have this much grander sort of solution. And if what you give them is harder to work with, clunkier, less reliable than what it is they're actually working with at the moment, then their instant response is going to be, this is crap. I don't want to work with it. I don't like it. You're making my job harder. And all you're saying is, but the future's going to be better. The future's going to be better. Look, we're going to give you this thing that you've been, we've now put in place is going to be refined. and It's going to be made better. But all they're seeing is what is in front of them. So all they're seeing is like, well, you're just going to, all you're telling me is I'm stuck with this and you're going to make it slightly better. I don't like it. And so they, they sort of push back against it. But what you're telling them is actually you're going to get a really you are going to get 
a fantastic system, a fan WWE mm-hmm. system. But it's going to take this. We've got to go on this journey. It's going to take me six months to deploy to the end product. But they've got to live through that six months of pain. Right. And so, but so by the time you get to the end of that, yes, they will have a fantastic system. They'll have a slick system that can work. But the problem is, they hate it, and they will tell you, and they will tell you everything wrong with it because they've had to live with that growth. And that's just through experience. And I feel the same would be the case here. Like they've gone, yeah, what we had before wasn't great, but I got fed and I had reliable work. I had all this. I was used to it. It's what I grew up with. I knew it. Now I've had to live with some, oh, I don't know, two years, three years of real austerity and real pain. And you're telling me there's something better in the future. But I don't want the future. I want now. And I can imagine there being that. The problem is that thing then that you're then looking at in the mm. future becomes quicker because you get then people going, you've got to make this faster. So you start to cut corners or you, you scope things. All right, well, look, what's the, what's the a, f- a phrase any developer and project manager is going to fear is minimum viable product. Mm. What's the minimum viable product that we can deploy for people to be able to do the job they've got to do? Yeah, yeah. And that's I, know this, feel- I know this in tech, right? Yeah, exactly. Like- so what you do is you drop something, everyone goes, it's a piece of crap. And you go, yeah, but it allows you to do what you've got to do. Yeah, it does, but it's still crap. And then you've got to build on it. It takes time, but it forms resentment. And I can imagine in this situation, like the doctor, off he goes, you know, womp, womp, tired us off. And they're going to go, minimum viable product is, right, as we say, we've got to do torture. We're not going to do torture and executions. But we've got to get back around the mines and... We've got we've got to sort of push these contracts. Mm, that but we've still got this gap. Okay, well let's only we'll only distribute the, the death or the execution and torture of murderers and rapists. That becomes this model. Do you know what I mean? And that becomes the, yeah. the, the minimum viable product that gets past this situation. And then that becomes the norm. And then you get the choice of going, do I still go for the end product we agreed at the very, very beginning, which is the slick, right. flashy system, or this works and actually we can mm-hmm. just keep to build this and you go off on a completely different tangent yeah. and you end up somewhere else right and yeah, that's absolutely. what and that's what i see going you know going in coming out of these things well i definitely agree this is heading towards some sort of vice world scenario yeah. um you know just because it's that's so delicious and entertaining um but i i i would sort of imagine that because they have realized the the ore's value um that they have some way of getting, I mean, they're going to get this immediate, I mean, with this absurd resolution, they're going to get $20, you know, 20 credits per, mm. you know, uh, unit for, uh, for this or, uh, so they're going to get a boost to their economy. They're going to get, um, presumably have, uh, competition for, you know, selling this and they're going to have, so I, I don't imagine they're going to be facing a financial crisis right away. They will face a governmental crisis. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. what it seems to me is like, you know, it's like the the oil curse, right? Like when you have natural resources, you get a totalitarian state. Um, it's very strange, but it does work. It does seem to happen um, that this governor, he's a good guy, but everybody in his government are people who worked for a horribly corrupt state that they're all ready to kill him because everything they're used to is it's i I did kind of like the the execution of the the uh governor is kind of like a parallel to 
sometimes you go through prime ministers quite quickly. And so, yes. you know, I think about like Japan. It's like, yeah, yeah, we're just going to go through <laughs> these guys. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I sort of imagine that there's got to be some kind of like purge of this government. Mm. If he is going to hold on and he is going to steer his society, you know, in the right way, that means you're going to keep these sadists out of power. The only way you're going to do that is sort of purge this government. Um, and then, you know, you can try some systems of uh, emancipation or, you know, uh, meritocracy where people can rise up and, and you get rid of this caste system. But eventually that that ore is going to dry up, uh, you know, and at this point you have a totalitarian state yeah. where, you know, you now you have rebels against your state and your morals are like, well, I overthrew the, the regime that is. Uh, was murdering those rebels on the uh, and I and I don't understand why all these totalitarian states have tons of rebels left and right, <laughs> but um, but you know I don't like that. On the other hand, they're rebels against me now, and what I'm doing is very tenuous. And you know we could make some money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I know you mentioned the rebels. You're right though, and that's the thing, isn't it? It's sort of that that because. I'm trying to think like who is killed or who is outed at the end. You've got the bald guy with the mustache. Mm. You've got the guy in the mask who's got the who's you know half mutated and this other stuff. Fine, they're sort of like your Goebbels and your sort of like you know um, that sort of level. But then below them, you've still got people that fully support and work in that government. They'll be like, yeah, no, I like my job. I'm happy in this position. Stop messing with the system. Um, that are going to try and sort of go against this um thingy and again like you know to, to one of the things i think that's interesting that's n not really touched on you sort of you sort of have this character but often when you have these um change of government kind of scenarios in a film or tv show you have the potential alternate leader mm. you know to form that balance thinking of like demolition man Mm -hmm. You know, you've got the uh, uh, Edgar Friendly character sort of against the, you know, Dr. Cocteau. And when Dr. Cocteau is taken out, you've got this sort of like that whole idea of sort of how, you know, Stallone even says, like, you know, you get yourselves, a, you know, you get you get a lot clean. You get you a little bit dirty. You'll figure it out. Like it's a meeting of two forces to sort of come to a compromise or come to an agreement. Synthesis. Yeah. And uh, you see that in others, like, you know, where there's an overthrow, there's like even in Star Wars, like. Yes, you know, Luke is obviously now been held up as, you know, somewhere as his Jedi, but even Leia is actually, a, she's actually a part of a former government. So, like, mm -hmm. she can go back and reform the uh, the Senate and all this other stuff. Like, it's sort of like you have the potential for an alternate. Mm -hmm. You know, there's an avenue to an alternate. Here, there doesn't appear to be one. They just sort of leave the governor and the governor's gone, oh, well, yeah, complete change of conscience. Yeah, you're right. This is terrible. Um Although he didn't seem particularly just perturbed by doing it all less than 20 minutes ago. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, but they, they don't have that. There's a rebel saved, uh, the blonde guy and his his blonde mm. partner, I forget the names. But they're never held up as being sort of like, ah, oh, these are your alternate leaders. They are the sort of the leaders of the resistance. They're the, the leaders mm. of the rebel force. No, they're not. They're just guys. Yeah. And so I, I find it interesting that there is no alternate ideology or alternate sort of government structure being proposed there's just there's just what's left right well i mean 
the I would say the governor, obviously, he has administrative experience. Right. Yeah. And he, he does seem wise. And, and I think that's what we're left with is saying, well, he's already in power. He's going to yeah. stay in power and just not be accountable to these military leaders anymore. And, and not I mean, also, you know, people are going to point out getting rid of torture and execution really benefits you. You were <laughs> on your fourth uh you know torture session which is the guaranteed death how convenient you yeah. are a failed leader who was lucky to survive three and managed to overthrow the system before the fourth um and it does seem to me the only functionary who he seems to have who's pointed to is the guy who um was uh, potentially uh, in the pool for uh becoming the next governor who lets him go and really goes out on a limb for him mm. um so, OK, but that guy presumably has some level of experience, some level of knowledge that he would be capable of stepping in for the governor. But his only recommendation is that he was willing to go against the state. Um, that doesn't seem to be a great recommendation. And <laughs> it's not at all clear that there are any functionaries or anyone able to run this government. And so you get that sort of like denazification period you know where you or debathification in iraq right where you say mm. okay if we get rid of everybody who's a member of the bath party who the hell is run gonna run this yeah and then if we don't we've got murderers and or people who certainly collaborated you know running this government and where does that end up leaving you and this is not going to be an easy process and it's going to be a process that's going to i mean those guys who you saved uh who are rebels are probably going to wind up being rebels again within a few months. Yeah, that yeah. Or like you say, or if they flip swing too far, as I said, there's the people that were part of the government but functionaries or soldiers within the government become the rebels. You just you just mm -hmm. sort of switch switch camps. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah, no, it is. It's, it's interesting um, that whenever we have these ones of the Doctor going off to a planet. To do, to do something um it does become this sort of you know slightly white saviorish but like does seem to be like you know ah, i i put you on the correct course and i'm sure that you know they can uh find their way i mean th this is all sort of um it's one of those things that like star trek resolved this with the um was it the primary directive prime directive Mm -hmm. You know, it, they ignored it a large chunk of the time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but that was always the point, wasn't it? Sort of like, oh, this is it's a burgeoning civilization. We can't really interfere in the way they sort of they you know manage their government. But they had the same problem all the time, mm -hmm. where they'd resolve a problem, you know, of, of, of racial disparity or war or something, and then you know, but at least with those, at least with with Star Trek. There was often the sort of the inclination of, but you've got the Federation backing it up that can come and check on them and provide them with trade or can provide them with sort of like support. So it wasn't just sort of like, you know, Kirk out and he'd off he'd go. It would be like, well, we've helped you resolve the problem. Now you can be a part of the Federation or you can, you know, if you wish to trade with us or do whatever, like form a relationship with the Federation, it's there for you to do. Well, and I think Star Trek tends to say, even in those, you're right that the Federation can back it up, but it also tends to say this is a long process, right? You know, yeah. Kirk Picard will say, you know, look, at least they have a chance. 
and it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be fast. Uh, but Star Trek tends to take that view of uh, what will this planet or the civilization look like over the course of centuries, mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, all right, good luck right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I mean, it can be difficult to, uh, you know, follow the prime directive or not. Um, but even like I was thinking of like a taste of Armageddon where that ends exactly like this ends where, um, this is the one with the warring planets that instead of actually firing the weapons go into disintegration chambers. Mm. Um, and Kirk at the end has that wonderful speech, you know, like, you know, you've made death too easy, you know, you've made war too civilized. Um, and it's terrible what he's done, right? Like, this is, you know, it's not at all clear. But even there, it ends with, like, yeah, we don't know, but at least they'll have to figure this out. Um, and they won't have this refuge, this this crux, uh, this crutch that allows for the situation to continue. But it's perfectly acknowledged, like, no, they might annihilate each other. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no pretense that oh yeah everything's fine now um so i do like that about track yeah and but, this uh, does yeah. a little bit of that at the end this is better than macro terror for that oh d- most definitely yeah this is this is an improvement on macro terror on many levels um so yeah no i just find it interesting like i say that it does it, it sort of addresses those those issues um and, and introduces those elements to sort of say this isn't a te- you know this I don't know, like, this is problematic, this is, and then sort of, like, you know, we can resolve it, but, like, you know, like you said, that that sort of um, little ending, the sort of little pro, the little epilogue that you get actually is a really sort of an interesting piece. Yeah, um, one of the things we haven't talked about, actually, because I think this, cause this thing is so interesting, and I think, you know, I actually, what I would say is I think we were slightly different, differing on um, the last on the fifth Doctor sort of story. Mm. There were some elements I really liked that. There were still there was others I I didn't, but I'm, I'm much more into this one. However, one of the things I find interesting or that is interesting is the Doctor. Mm-hmm. We haven't yeah. really sort of spoken about Colin Baker's Doctor. We, we've mentioned being a bit more swashbuckling. He's got that you know that sort of thing. Um, he he sort of seems slightly inconsistent throughout this story. You know, the, the start of the show is that the TARDIS has, has run out of power and is drifting, and he sort of like, he sort of just seems sort of forlorn. He's like, oh, well, that's it, sort of given up in a weird kind of way. And, you know, Perry, um, his assistant or companion, um, sort of finds the, the TARDIS manual, which I thought was a, a, an interesting little twist. So I started reading that at one point, got bored sort of thing. Um but like he he makes this really odd comment of like you know she sort of lists these things that he's done wrong you know burnt dinner got lost broken this broken that but then when they are broken and he says well I do feel bad for you but I feel worse for me like you're gonna die you're gonna age and die um, one lifetime you know I'm gonna continue to regenerate and just be lost here for sort of however long um, and he just seems so sort of like I don't know self pitying in this moment that mm. like. I've never seen any doctor because every other doctor just sort of like, you know, well, this it may not be that. Let, let's jump to and try something and do something, or but like rummage around in a box and find something, or go off and do like. He just seems so easily defeatist 
in this opening section and then she perry comes up with this idea and notion and then he's like oh yeah we can go to this place and we can use the the backup energy to get us to this place and hopefully we'll get to the right period and then when he gets there he sort of seems a little bit more engaged with things mm-hmm. but it seems so inconsistent across the sort of series of like how he works i was a bit sort of like i i, I never support the, i'm never supportive of the doctor like i'm finding the story interesting but I'm sort of finding yeah. the the doctor really inconsistent. I don't. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I I was also shocked by the doctor's sort of uh, passivity there, sort mm. of uh, resigned to death. Um, and and I am troubled. I wanted to return to this too, but but also to talk about the depiction of the TARDIS specifically. Um, I like uh, the doctor having a Personally, the doctor being morally ambiguous. Mm-hmm. I like the doctor being sort of alien and strange. Mm. Um, I and I like different presentations, right? Which is, you know, part of why I dug the last serial more than you did. Um, I I like the TARDIS being used as a refugee possibility to get multiple people out. I mean, that's, mm. this mm. is like, yeah, you've got this. You should have thought of this. Um, here. The presentation of the doctor is sort of passive in that way. I, I, I don't like, I mean, I, I don't know. It doesn't seem like the doctor to me, but I'm not against it as a different depiction. I'm more troubled by the presentation of the TARDIS. Like I like that it's stolen by the regime and they're using lasers to try to penetrate it. Right. Yeah. But I, I dig that, but I don't, um, I, this manual is like, you know, a thick, printed manual that's clearly (laughs) you know in like cheap binding um i like the idea that there is i always like when they show more space inside the tardis and Mm. you know are like no this is really big right um which happens very rarely but i like even dialogue that suggests that but i don't like the manual and i don't like that it's suddenly out of power and that it needs this or it's like this does all of a sudden after 22 seasons the TARDIS needs dilithium to function it's very strange to me no I agree with that like it just yeah this is one and it's never mentioned again like mm-hmm. uh, you know this, this or is never mentioned again um yeah the, the manual in particular sort of bothered me because mm-hmm. it also like you know you have a car we've, you know we've had a car where you know in a new car in particular you open the glove box or there'll be a little drawer under the under the passenger seat and there will be your owner's manual and it'll tell you how to use the radio and change the bulbs and all these basic sort of functioning things and then to know that there's something like that for the TARDIS <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's just under the console it's literally mm-hmm. in a cupboard just under the console um is so uh, jarring yeah it really is. I agree. And, you know, and Perry just sort of finds it and she's like, what about this? And he's sort of like, wow, I started to read it. And you're just like, it feels so out of character. Well, where doc- was that manual for 22 seasons? Yeah. Right. As every single doctor has like, oh, I think this will work at flip switches. And, you know, the TARDIS is always misbehaving in some mm. way or another. Right. You think, you know, you had this manual there. I mean, did nobody else find this? No. <laughs> It seems like one of those offhand. Um, it was created for like a one-off joke, and it just mm-hmm. doesn't. The fact is, it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Having watched, especially actually talking again about the Fifth Doctor, um, what was her name? The 
the companion that stays on the ship. Um, begins with a V. I forget her name. Um, she's clearly capable of sort of flying the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I was thinking, did she did, did she read the manual? Like, is it just a thing that some companions find it and go, oh yeah, I got this. I'll, I'll read this through. Like, it, I don't know. It feels like you say it's, it's, it's jarring. Is is a, is a good word. Like the whole sort of this whole section with the Doctor until they get to the to the planet of Varos is so sort of weirdly out of character. Um, it does. It it just didn't. I was instantly like, oh, I don't I don't like this. I don't like this iteration. I don't like this generation. The regeneration. It, it's, it's it's straight away not working for me. Mm. Um, however, there are moments later on when I find some of his line delivery quite humorous or quite good. I think some of it's quite good. Like, there's a moment they're talking about the what's the what's the the all called again? Um, oh, something. Like Vitron Seven or whatever it's called. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he says like you know Zaytan. Zaytan Seven. And, and, and the, one of the rebels sort of says, well, no one wants it. And he said, well, I could do with a little bit, you know, sort of. He makes a joke about it. He could easily be saying, he's, he obviously does sort of break down the thing, but straight away he could be saying to the rebels there, well, what do you mean no one wants it? Like you said, like, you know, well, it's, a, it's a really important ore, like for space mm-hmm. travel, like mm-hmm. it's massively important. Um, yes. That was strange too, right? Yeah. And so he, he sort of, you know, it's not even that he holds back information. He just doesn't say things. Like, this isn't some sort of, like, Machiavellian plot of him mm-hmm. holding back information right. to reveal it later. He just sort of just doesn't doesn't think to say it. Like Yeah, and, and you seem to think, I mean, I found myself thinking, is he holding that back to get this at a cheaper price? I mean, to, to be able to yeah, say, like, hey, you know that thing that you think is so valueless that you mine? Yeah. I could really use some or else I'm stranded in time and space. As you say, he just doesn't share that, and that would change the plot. I mean, he's perfectly capable of just saying, by the way, you know, that's really valuable. I could use some. But the other thing that's strange is that there is this line about temporal ships and how Mm. that powers the temporal ships that other, you know, that Sil species are using and and presumably other uh, species are using as well. Where are those temporal ships? Does that mean there's a whole bunch of time-traveling ships in which case just travel into the past and you know take over varos you know 30 years ago or 300 years ago yeah i I, i'm glad you mentioned that because it was sort of a drop line and it sort of stumped me and i I actually was like i may have misheard that but no they do they say temporal ships don't they as in like there are other species that have this ability to time travel um so yeah i don't know that's again it's sort of like one of the things we've said before is like the law at this point is inconsistent they're not thinking about it in that sense um, but the other thing as well, the doctor <laughs> doctor does is there's a control panel. I think it's going to be there's a, there's a machine that's turning Perry and, and the the rebel woman into mm. transmutation kind of things. God. And that the doctor's this guy's like it could be any one of these switches, doctor. <laughs> and the doctor basically sort of just pulls out a gun and shoots it all. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm like, oh, oh, <laughs> like there's no clever get out. There's no sort of like deduction and sort of like him showing off like and again maybe this is because i'm so used to new who that like i would expect like you know david Tennant or matt smith or capaldi to jump forward and be like ah well i can tell you this and they do some massive spiel of dancing around and waving their arms and wiggling their ears and whatever and all of a sudden just flicking a switch at the last minute and it being solved in this he just shoots it and it sort of felt so sort of like almost anticlimactic that i'm just like oh 
Fair enough. Well, I think I think the day, you know, that might happen what you described, but it also might be that the doctor waves the sonic and, you know, yes. shuts it off. It seems strange to see the doctor shooting so many guns. Yeah. Um, you know, on the other hand, I sort of like the swashbuckling doctor. I, I like the, you know, I mean, first of all, it is influential. I mean, obviously, mm. the doctor is going to become a predominantly younger doctor than the average of the original series. Mm-hmm. Um Television has shifted more toward younger actors and toward more swashbuckling adventures. So, I mean, this is the future we're looking mm. at, even if it gets some stuff wrong. And I kind of like, uh, you know, these. I was reminded again and again of Han Solo shooting first, right? There yes. is a little bit of a rogue to the Doctor. Yeah. Um, and and I rather like that, but I don't think that it's used to the degree that I would like. I mean, I would like others to question him right and to mm-hmm, say mm-hmm. you know surely that you know you you could have killed them both you know yeah. right well they were gonna die anyway so i just shot the machine you know um it's like oh okay well you were willing to kill these people or, or risk it well right i mean i mean i i think there's ways of doing that and underlining the way in which he is ready to give up at the beginning or any of these things and underlining them and making the doctor seem more alien or amoral or extra swashbuckling, you know, to just make that clear to the audience that, hey, we mm. know what we're doing. And this is a different doctor. And you're supposed to be a little disturbed by this. Yeah, actually, I think and that, that would be in, that would be more interesting if he was a bit more consistent in mm-hmm. that. Um, it, um, yeah, if he was a bit more if he was a bit more consistent in his inconsistencies, if that makes sense. Um, like you said, yeah, he would be a bit more alien and a bit more, a bit more. Um, it, it would feel a part of the character rather than story requires this to happen. Um, yeah, is it, uh, he's not bad. He's not terrible. I, I, I honestly don't think he's the worst Doctor we've we've had. Um, I'm I'm not wholly taken with it, but the more I watch and I think back, I'm like, yeah, they've all got something I kind of like. There's always something I'm, I'm kind of enjoying. Um, the as a, I want to sort of flip flip on something else. There was something else I kind of liked, which is a weird sort of trip. But they also have this sort of this transmogrification <laughs> beam thing for whatever purpose. And again, it's these ideas that seem to be coming up that have no purpose other than to sort of to provide something. So they they are extracting something from the mines to fuel mm. this transform transmogrification. And their chief scientist is like, yes, it's so so technical and so advanced. Even I don't really know how it works. And I'm like, wow, that's who does? Yeah, that's not yeah. that's that's not a great like you know <laughs> thing to be stating in front of all these people. Um <laughs> but I like the fact that it, it basically it's a great idea that whatever this is, whatever this beam is, whatever this gas is, whatever it is they're using plays on your psyche and trans trans begins to transform you into something that would that either you help or whatever plays on your fears if it's t- t- tuned in like mood slimy almost and they were finding that the miners were transforming to have claws and dig their arms were changing to make digging easier to make mining easier as so they were having claws and stuff and i thought that was a really cool idea that they were basically mutating because of the needs of the of what they're doing, the planet was helping them to sort of you know to do this in a weird way. To flip it around, then 
Perry, who has seemed to be quite proactive in many cases, like not violent or anything, but proactive in trying to deal with things and being up front with people, is transmorphing into a bird because she wants to fly away from the situations. <laughs> but that made no sense. They look good. Like, you know, not the transition, but the makeup looks perfectly fine. Yeah. But th- yeah. this idea that she's transmogrifying into a bird because she wants to fly away from the sort of like the dangers in the situation felt like such utter crap. Even for the short time, even seeing her in this episode, I was like, that oh, makes no sense. What else would you would you have it be? I don't I mean, know. I, I feel disgusting, so I'm turning into a slime old, or, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, to me, the whole, yeah, I like the makeup. Um, there were elements, I mean, I don't really understand any of this technology. <laughs> there are aspects of the hallucinations and, and you know, tapping on fear that mm. is interesting um on the other and and there doesn't it's like this element x that kind of yeah. does whatever the plot needs or plays on people's fears but then that's not really a theme throughout the whole thing i mean that's very different you know inner psychological fears are very different than fear of a totalitarian state and really yeah. being caught and executed um and there's no sense of like, well, the miners, as they were mining this, were finding their fears <laughs> manifest. And so we yeah. developed these special kinds of technologies. It's not woven through the script. It's just something very weird. And so I I like that makeup. Um, I like that Syl looks at uh, the other one and says, oh, it's almost attractive now, yes. you know, because it's like becoming fish-like. Um, that's kind of cute. But... Yeah, I mean, I at the same time, I'm bothered by how they obviously are going to stay humanoid. I mean, yeah. you're told not, but, you know, it's like you don't have the technology to really pull this thing off. And I don't understand, but I'm willing to let go the idea of a sort of molecular scrambler mm-hmm. that hits you and causes pain. And by the fourth hit, you're going to die. Doesn't make any sense. It's <laughs> stupid as hell. Right. Like. How, what percentage of your molecules are being destroyed? How exactly is that causing you pain, but you're surviving? I mean, I, I don't know any of this. But, mm. okay, it's like the mirror universe, like a painalyzer thing. Um, yes. But that mutation thing, that seems to me to be what you were saying of, like, there's a ton of ideas in here, and some of them work, and some of them don't. And none of them fully work, and none of them fully don't. Um, that is on the far end of just does not work for yeah. me. No, uh, it, it's a kind of cool idea, but I don't know why it's in there. It's one of those ideas, like you say. It, 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 yeah, there's no purpose to it. Um, where it could e- just as easily be like because you've seen the like the light beam technology that tortures them, or other things like it could easily just be other technology you've already seen. Mm-hmm. This transmogrification, like, it serves no purpose. Like, it doesn't have a payoff right at the end. Um, so, yeah, it's one of those in the writing room, whatever. Someone should have just gone, um, even from a budgetary point of view, I think someone yeah. could have just gone, yeah, we don't, we don't need to do this bird makeup. Can we just <laughs> drop that? And just, <laughs> you've done light beams already. Can we just, can we just do that yeah. and have them be tortured or something? Like, you've, you've literally got a set where you could have them hung up, <laughs> strung up. Let's use that. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I, I did think the the noose thing, the hanging, was quite effective. I, yeah, that I was mean, cool. there's something yeah. primitive about that, that that really works. And then you find out it was all a con. Mm. You know, it's all yeah. a way to. Uh, apparently, when they were filming that, part of the set collapsed, and <laughs> if the and you know the the principal actors were not on it at the time, but um, you know, and the nooses were were made so that you know if something happened, they would not actually be hung. Mm. But it's scary to imagine, you know, the set collapsing when an actor's in a noose. Yeah. How easily that could go wrong. But yeah, I agree with you. I, and I had the same thought about budgetary constraints. Like, dude, let's put put um, earphones on somebody and have flashing l- lights and say, here's the new version of the torture device that yeah. scrambles your brain waves and, and makes you go crazy and, and hallucinate these things. Uh that are horrible. Why not do that? Why? Why? It just doesn't make much sense. No, it, it feels a bit like you say this. Where it becomes like a bit of a fruit salad, isn't it? It's like it's just chucking everything in it. Just keep going. There's lots of things, um, and it would be if you just refined it. It would obviously like you know it wouldn't take anything away if you removed that and had to like it wouldn't change the plot. It wouldn't make it any lesser. It'd probably you know make it a little bit more streamlined. So yeah, no, it just it just feels weird. It just feels like this really bizarre sort of like extra thing. But mm. they're like it, it's oh, it's, it's um like a new ticking clock, isn't it? Oh, they they weren't able to do the final DNA ization of them. Like, you know what? No, just well, and and then the reversion back like it looks you awful. Know, mm. Well, it looks awful, but it's also so stupid and illogical. I mean, it's like does that mean that? if you stop scrambling somebody's molecules that they revert back, well, no, that amps up over time so that nobody survives four of them. How, you know, I mean, it, it's just so convenient, right? Um, I hate, I, I will agree. One of the things I hate is, is cliche and a trope is that thing of like, if we stop this halfway through, they're going to revert back to their original mm-hmm. state. And I'm constantly like, if I cook a chicken for half of time, it doesn't revert <laughs> back to being raw. Like it stays half cooked. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. It, I, well, it's I like hate... every every horrible movie, you know, or cartoon where it's like we're de-evolving people. I mean, yes. I don't know how that works, <laughs> but like they're becoming apes, you know, and that one's becoming a chimpanzee. Right. As soon as that's turned off, all of that genetic change within the organism simply reverses itself automatically. <laughs> it's, I hate that trope. I hate it yeah. so much. I mean, you know, it, the the fact that it was it was the worst part of the Super Mario Brothers movie from 1992 sort of tells you how bad that that idea is. I, I yeah, it's a trope that should die. It's a trope that should just be left and never, you know. If there's a, if there's a way of reverting, give me some techno babble that says we can, you know, if I can de-evolve you, I can re-evolve you. I don't know, I don't care, but like, mm, mm. not just not just it fades away, <laughs> like it's yeah, put um, it on reverse and you know. Make them sit there for half an hour on reverse yeah. or something. Yeah. What do they call it? Uh, you, know, you know, switch the polarities. <laughs> that seems to be a pretty standard approach. That's the sort of that's the the, the uh, you know logging off and logging back on again of uh, uh, DNA DNA fixing. Um, anyway, well, I think we're, we're sort of coming to end. I think we've talked about this one quite a lot. There's a lot to talk about in this doctor. It was it was really it was good. But any, any final thoughts on uh, vengeance on Varos? Uh, But the only thing I'd like to add is that I'd like it to go further in its weird version of the doctor. And I want, you know, like at the end, the doctor leaves still presumably to be tortured and executed. He's 
seems perfectly fine with that. He murders about four people uh, <laughs> yeah. in, in, in this serial. Um, I would like if the doctor said at the end of the, and I'm not even joking, if the doctor said at the end of this, you're like, can I get the skulls of those guys I threw in acid? Yeah. Like, I, I, I want to put them in the TARDIS as memorabilia. Like, I don't care about the instruction manual, but I want to look at those those bastards who tried to kill me and, and got theirs. Just You know, I mean, I like that kind of, I mean, that's how willing I am to go into weird territory with the doctor and morally ambiguous and let him be an alien. And so I, I don't think that, you know, this version of the doctor, I agree with you, it's inconsistent. Um, it is more the kind of uh, swashbuckling, you know, mm. younger type. Um, I think, uh, you know, Colin Baker does a, a fine job, especially by the end. I'm enjoying mm. him much more. Um, but I, I, I do sort of want, you know, let the doctor be uh, far more alien and morally ambiguous. Uh, if you're going to go in these different directions, I want it to go further. Um, and I know I'll probably be, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm not among the the, the uh, dominant Doctor Who fan in saying that. And I love the uh, morally right Doctor Who, who, you know, it makes me cry when he, you know, decides to do the heart right thing. Mm -hmm. Um I love that. I love that in Trek. I love that in Doctor Who. Having said that, if you're going to go for a swashbuckling, murderous doctor, just go all the way, you know? Yeah. Make the difference between him and the master not so great. Well, they've never quite... They, they, they've tried it. It's funny because they have tried it a few times. They've dabbled in those waters, haven't they? They've dipped their toes in. They do it with Colin Baker. You can see that there's that inclination. They try it. They end up doing it more with Sylvester McCoy mm. um, towards, because he starts as a clown and becomes a bit more dark. And when we, we, next episode, we're going to be in Remembrance of the Daleks. And that, that has some of that in it. Mm. But even like Chris Eccleston, when he first met the, the Eccleston Doctor, he has a little bit of that. And I, I think he even challenges Rose at one point to actually say sort of like, oh, you're, you know, you, that, well, that's your human values. You know, mm. you're applying mm. your human values on something. And so they've had it a couple of times. But you're, you're right, they're never willing. Even Capaldi, when Capaldi sort of started, it, it, he was a bit, it was that grumpy sort of, they went for grumpy, but yeah. there was still that that emotional ambig ambiguity and stuff. Um, but it, it always falls away. It always falls away to become just the adventurer that sort of saves the day. Um, and I do, I'd love to sort of see that in a bit more thing. Because again, like w watching these stories, and this one sort of fueled it even more, it's like, I like some of the stuff that's happening with this. I'm, I'm, I much prefer this to the last one, uh, to the to the sort of the the fifth Doctor. Lots of ideas. Not all of them work. I think there's some. I love the fact that they've gone for it. Like they've gone, idea, 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 and just sort of thrown so much in. Like and they've just gone, screw it, we're going for it. Uh, it's almost like I'm going to keep writing until what someone tells me to stop putting stuff in this. Um, <laughs> So I enjoy so many elements of this, and they're clearly sort of like they're leaning into like satire. They're leaning into commentary. Um, as you say, the Doctor by the end is actually a much more interesting character by the end of this this serial, uh, and I'm enjoying him much more. I enjoy the second half of him much more, but I think the whole Planet of Varos thing is really interesting. I love the fact you've got the alien in Sill. There's just so many good parts of this. I'm actually really enjoying. But I do still keep coming back to this idea I have of, like, I want to see the ghost of Christmas past for the Doctor. 
like him having to face up. I'm I'm convinced of it now. Like there's a story to be told of like the master going like for this exact point. Like I want to see the uh, what's it sim um, John Sim version of the master uh, from from the tenant era coming back and being sort of like facing up to whoever comes back as the doctor and being like. Oh, you're so you're so annoyingly sort of moralistic. You keep thinking you're this sort of the arbiter of what is right in the galaxy. You know, you keep doing these things. Let's take a look at you, the wake that you've left behind. Not just the time war, because the time war it was was created as this sort of like middling point, wasn't it, between the old and the new, and that created this whole thing of like, oh, he's going to have a gritty backstory. Yeah. <laughs> Everything you did, you know, this the war doctor, right? Let's have a look at, like, yeah, but the war doctor came from somewhere. Let's look at all the stuff you left behind in your wake. Mm-hmm. Let's go to um, the Macra Terra, sort of, you know, let's go to Varos. Let's go to these places. Let's see what happened after you left mm-hmm. and be shown this thing and have the doctor be like almost like deconstructed as this sort of like, you know, you like this swashbuckler with little care for. Because they've done it with companions, they did it with you know, they brought back Sarah Jane, what's it, didn't they, with Tennant, and were like, Oh, you leave us behind and stuff. Mm-hmm. But even even that ended up in her having a spin off <laughs> to be like, Oh, it's terrible being left behind by the doctor, but then we got more adventures, and it's sort of mm. like, Oh, no, look, let's, I'd love this to be, even if it's in comics or books, like just a proper deconstruction where the doctor has to face up to, you know, you get to have fun, you save the day. But some poor sods then got to come in and change and actually manage the future. That sort of thing. I don't know. I, I just think there's just something there that I really want to see. Um, yeah, but, I, yeah, I agree completely. I mean, and that's so much of what I loved about um, about the new who was the mm. that focus on companions, that painful awareness, especially mm. in the Davies years of like, yeah. This is the best time of my life, but I also know I'm here at your whim and this will sometimes end. And I'm going to be like this, the guy who went to the Olympics at 16 and, you know, the rest of my life was like, yep, working in the strip mall, you know, remembering that. Um, And I I love these sort of downsides. And and I love what you're saying that it's quite right that the, in Star Trek, this is talked about too, Right. Mm. You know, Kirk just leaves, blah, blah, blah. But there, there's the Federation that you're told, like, all right, there's a support team who comes in. Um, And here, you know, the doctor just, you know, he's very arrogant. And even the good doctors are very, the most goody two-shoes, I mean, are very arrogant in deciding what's right for other people and assuming it's going to work out. Mm. Um, And I'd like the doctor to, you know, have to look at, uh, the ensuing 2,000 years of video nasties of, uh, <laughs> from Vice World that were exported after he left Veros. I really want to see that. And how they used the transmogrification ray mm. to really up the ante of what they were doing. Because, um, yeah, you say about Star Trek, I just want to say, I don't, I don't know if you've seen it, but even the, the, the animated series Lower Decks mm. yeah. actually, actually addressed it because you have first contact, and they had second contact where they go yes. in to help set things up. So they, yeah, that, that the creators actually are abundantly aware, um, and I'd love to see it more in this series. Mm. Um, well, we're going to get a, a new Davies era. Yes, uh, praise Jesus, and you know, 
there's talk of spinoffs, so yeah, we could yeah. get Doctor Who lower decks. I mean, it's not unthinkable. <laughs> well, just so you know, just as another point, uh, they had, an, uh, you know, the, the Whitaker years are, are are quickly wrapping up. We're very close to the end. Um, we had one recently, and they gave a trailer for the last episode, the last episode of the Whitaker years. And in that, I don't know, have you seen it? Because this I have is not. A, it's not it's a, on my DVR. <laughs> Okay. Oh, the, I'm not, there's, there's nothing in the episode, but the, the trailer. You, I, I'm going to give you something from the trailer then. Go ahead. It's a bundle in the trailer. Perry comes back. Mm. I think it's Perry and Ace oh, come okay. back. So the last two sort of major uh, companions are, are there with the Whitaker Doctor. And that to me is interesting. Because I, I had to Google because oh Perry she, she, only for a short period of time because and I will admit it the reason I Google was like wow she's really attractive and you know they clearly like to put her in tight clothing I was like is that a thing it was clearly a thing um, but uh, yeah, she's left on a planet she marries a warrior king on another planet and was basically mm. left there off screen mm. um, so I, so they, they're trying to give it looks like they're trying to give companions their due by the end of this because obviously ace never got her finished because mm. the series finished before um she was able to and we, but we will be talking about ace on the next episode so i was just interested that they are bringing those companions back to do a bit more of that addressing of the relationship with the doctor and uh companions so we'll see how that goes uh but yes any any last sort of, we are up for time i'm all um, good all good I, okay. it's been a fascinating uh journey i won't say trek and uh, we'll conclude it next time uh, before our wrap up. Yes, yes. Remembrance of the Daleks on the last uh, Sylvester McCoy, the, the Seventh Doctor. Um, but yes, this has been fantastic. So we're, we're moving on. And uh, but, ladies and gentlemen, if you're liking what we're doing, if you're really enjoying what we're doing, just jump onto your podcast catcher, wherever you're listening to us, and leave a review. Uh, we really appreciate them. We really, really do, especially if you're enjoying this because our bonus episodes, our bonus little retrospectives, are great fun. I'm, I'm, I'm loving doing this. It's been fantastic. I, you know, I've watched more classic Who now than I ever have before. Um, uh, so go and leave us a review. Let us know what you're thinking. Come find us on social media you know, at Pod Time Space on on uh, Twitter. Come find us. Come have those chats. Uh, but if you really enjoy what me and Julian are doing, the conversations we have, come find us on Patreon. A link down below: www.patreon.com/slash two zero CG Media. Um, that's twenty CG Media, and uh, we do trekking through uh, the Twilight Zone. So just as we are doing with Doctor Who, we are doing with Twilight Zone, episode by episode, trying to keep it to about fifteen to twenty minutes on each episode. But this is some amazing stuff on there. We've had some fantastic conversations, and we're well, well, well into the second series now. Uh, of original uh, Twilight Zone, so that's been going fantastic. So, anyway, absolutely, Julian, thank and you. Very like much. us, like us on wherever you're getting your podcasts. You know, yes. leave a review. We we really appreciate it, and you know, we work we work a lot on this. You know, we spend time on it, get it right, and we really appreciate you listening and helping to get the word out. Yes, yeah, spread the word. That's it. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening, and uh, we shall see you on the next episode. streams.